in a series called String Theory, and the idea is that uh, as science kind of gets better and better and better, and we kind of learn more and more and more things, there seems to be this idea that science and religion are, at, are, are against each other, that uh, science is out to disprove religion, and religion doesn't, is, 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 is not intellectual enough to understand science or whatever. And what we've been talking about is the fact that I don't think that's true at all. I think the more things that science discovers, the more we realize that we serve a God that is... Um, just really creative and really smart. And so even in the last couple of weeks when they found the Higgs boson particle or thought they did and all this kind of stuff, that, uh, one of the things we showed the video a little bit, one of the things they said is that now we have the ability to roll the tape even prior to the Big Bang, which I thought was funny since tape, first of all, it's all digital now, and he was a scientist, so it's like, hey, anyway. Uh, but we can't roll back the tape, and we'll never be able to. But uh, what was cool was that you see these atoms, you know, you know, a hundred years ago or whatever, the atom was just the smallest types of thing. And then we find out that, uh, well, it was more than a hundred years, but we find out that there's, you know, the atom is made up of protons and neutrons and electrons, and those are made up of quarks and leptons and all this kind of stuff. And so uh, the theory that uh, in that atom and in that neutron and in that quark or lepton are these strings that kind of hum and move around. And what we've been saying is we have no idea whether that's true or not. It's a theory but God knows and this is the God we serve and this is the God we worship we worship a God that knows what is inside of an atom and we and 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 then we've taken it farther out we know the God and we worship the God who knows how big the galaxy is and how many galaxies there are and how many stars there are and he's named them all which seems incredibly like a large task but uh, The verse we've kind of been looking at this whole time is this. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And that's been the main verse that we've been looking at uh, through this series. And we've talked about different things in the series. We've talked about um, the fact that we worship God in spirit and in truth. So it's not just truth from the scripture that we, we, we look, but we can worship God in all truth. The things that we see in science, the things we know about humanity and all these things. We can worship God and, and just be, have a revelation that God is good and that he's created all this stuff. And then we talked about a little bit about the spiritual side, that there is this other dimension. There is this dimension that we're not only a physical body, but we're also a soul and that we can worship God in this spiritual body. And uh, we saw a little bit of that with, when Peter was talking, like, what is, what is a healing all about? Is there another realm, another dimension of God's power moving, you know, and and we call them miracles. And does that really happen? So we we talked about that a little bit. And then we talked about the fact that we're to worship God with our bodies, our physical bodies, that we we are to offer our bodies, present our bodies to God as a living sacrifice acceptable to God, which is our spiritual service of worship. And we talked about the fact that obedience is actually worship to God. And then the interns last week did a masterful job. I can use the term masterful when I talk about interns, uh, of, of talking about what do we do with our emotions and so they went straight to the laments of psalms. And they're usually they're psalms we want to skip over because we like psalms of praise that make us feel good inside. And there are some that, that um, Jonathan was asking, can we really say this in church? Like, God, where are you? Why aren't you listening to me? And 
What are you doing up there? Like, are, are we allowed to do that? And in fact, we are. And God calls us to do that as a child would come to their Heavenly Father. And so we, we've been talking about all these things. This morning, uh, I want to talk about something a little different um, that really kind of relates to us as a church and really, really relates to what we're doing next week. And that is worshiping God as we do service to others. And uh, when Jesus showed up um, in Matthew, one of the first recorded sermons is a sermon we call the Sermon on the Mount. And, you know, if I were Jesus and I were trying to kind of rally the troops, if you will, or uh, talk about, look, you know, if you're going to follow me, if, if, if I'm going to be the leader that kind of leads us into this next kingdom, I probably wouldn't have started out with the Sermon on the Mount, because in some ways, it's, it's kind of not depressing, but kind of like it, it doesn't seem like there's too much hope in these beatitudes that Jesus is talking about. And if you look historically at what was going on with, the, uh, with Israel, you know, they were in a really tough spot. They, 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 first of all, they've been taught throughout generations that there's this God in heaven and they are God's people. And there's kind of this way it should be. And the way it should be is that they're the Israelites, they're in Israel, they're worshiping the one true God, they're following the laws that God and his wisdom has laid out for them. They've kind of gotten rid of all the other uh, people groups in there that might, um, you know, kind of stain what they're trying to do and all this kind of stuff. And when you look back, there really hasn't been that much time where that's really been taking place for them. And now when Jesus shows up, the Roman Empire has come in very forcefully and has kind of taken over and they're, they're occupying God's land and they're enforcing their will on God's people. And so this has kind of been the pattern of Israel for generations. And, and now Jesus shows up and everybody's hoping that he's going to have this word, this, this strong word of, listen, you've waited. It's been a long time. You've been occupied by the Romans. But now the Savior's coming, the Messiah's coming, and now we're going to get rid of the Romans, and Israel will be left alone, and God's people will be able to worship the way God's people are supposed to worship. And so he's on the mount, and he starts this sermon, and the people are gathered around, and uh, his first thing, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And if you're an Israelite and you are kind of hoping for the Messiah and the first words out of his mouth, or at least the first words that Matthew recorded in a sermon, are blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, you're kind of sitting there going, okay, you know, it's just his opening line. You know, he'll probably show, you know, as we go along, it'll probably start ramping up a little bit. And he'll, he'll start kind of getting a little more forceful. So blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, kingdom. That's good. We want a new kingdom. We don't want Rome there. He goes on. Blessed are those who mourn. Okay. Looks like it's a little downhill first, right? It's kind of we're going those who mourn for they will be uh, comforted. All right. Poor in spirit, those who mourn. 
Blessed are the meek, for they'll inherit the earth. I saw a bumper sticker one time that said, um, the, the reason uh, the meek will inherit the earth is because that's the only way they're going to get it, right? <laughs> is if they inherit it. Hey, I'm a pastor. I actually thought that was funny, though. Uh, <laughs> but imagine, I mean, there you are. The meek. How are the meek going to overthrow Rome? Somebody explain that to me. And, and if I'm out there and I'm poor and I'm destitute and the, the temple I worship at wasn't even built by, by us. It was totally remodeled by Herod. It's basically his deal. I mean, it looks nice. It's great. It works. You know, but it's not even our thing. We needed Rome to do that. Like, like if that's been your thing, blessed are the meek. For they will inherit the earth. It, it doesn't make any sense. Then he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. And then he makes this statement in, in, this, in this whole thing of like, wanting to overthrow and, and how Rome has just such a heavy hand on these people. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. None of these people have been shown mercy. These are foreign concepts to them. He says, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. And then kind of the one that we all really know well, the blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. Now listen, blessed are those who are persecuted, <laughs> okay? It, I mean, it's just like, you know, if, if it were me preaching or someone preaching, you know, people would just kind of start walking like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Because here's the thing, we, we read this and we say, blessed are those who are persecuted, and we're like, oh yeah, yeah. They were really persecuted, <laughs> Like they were really being hung on crosses. When Rome came in, it was a big deal. Rome wasn't elected to be the leaders there. There was a lot of bloodshed. And these people remembered it and knew it and had stories most likely of people in their own family. They hated the Romans. I mean, can you imagine, if you're a Republican, right? Can you imagine... Someone coming and going, hey, blessed are those who are run by Democrats. What in the world? This is crazy. The whole, your whole thing is to get Obama out of office. And if you're a Democrat, right now, it's like this is the way it's supposed to be. We got rid of eight years of Bush. I mean, wh- wherever you are, now take wherever those feelings are that you feel. Just when I said Democrat or Republican, and you've had those little feelings in there, like, yeah, or, or like, take those, and now have Obama come in and like have wiped out half your village or George Bush. You remember when he came in with all his uh, trickle down economics guys and they slaughtered, uh, you know, right? I mean, this is where there are. And, And now he's saying, blessed are the persecuted. This is exactly what they're trying to avoid. He says, blessed are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And he just says this crazy, this crazy talk. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Now, here's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is really introducing what his kingdom looks like. He's just coming right out and saying it. It is not gonna be like you think. 
And I think over the centuries, we have been trying to take the kingdom of God and sprinkle it on our lives to feel good. Or we've been taking the kingdom of God and we've been trying to infuse our own kind of agenda into it. And Jesus is having none of it. Let me just recap real quick. Poor in spirit, mourn, meek, hunger and thirst, merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, persecuted, insulted, falsely accused. I don't know about you, but I don't like any of those (laughs) in the list. Any of them. I like the reward part at the end. That's cool. That's good. Now, here's the question I have. With that as kind of the rally the troops thing, how in the world did Christianity make it? You know, I don't know if you ever saw Braveheart, uh, but there's a scene in Braveheart, it's like the best scene where they come and they're going uh, uh, against England and um, they're kind of there and William Wallace hasn't shown up yet and then William, William Wallace had this plan and so he shows up and, and, and he gives this speech, right? And it wasn't anything like this. It was the kind of speech you'd want to have. As a matter of fact, what, what we did uh, is we took the William Wallace speech. Uh, well, here, let me, I'll, I'll show you what we did right here. Honestly, I mean, like how did Christianity, how did it make it? I, I can understand how, you know, the Scots got the English out of there, you know, because, you know, you, they were killing people and there was all sorts of bloodshed and they were serious and they, and they got riled up um, uh, by William Wallace and, and, and they drank a lot. And so they were not afraid to go into battle. And so I mean, there's all, all this kind of stuff. I, I get that. But what I don't get is how Jesus shows up with all this persecution going on and all this kind of uh, turmoil and, and he's saying stuff like render under Caesar what is Caesar's and render under God what is God. And he won't engage the way people want to engage. I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you. Maybe you're into the political stuff and, you, and you're just like, you're talking to somebody and you're so passionate about what you believe and they're just like, eh, whatever. And it's so, so frustrating to you because they don't, they're not passionate like you're passionate. This is the same thing. It's like Jesus won't engage the Romans. How in the world did Christianity make it when you have things like poor in spirit and meek and hunger and thirst and merciful and insulted. <laughs> Let's get insulted. Like, how, how, did that, how did it work? Well, I, I think the reason it worked is the very next thing that Jesus says to these people. Because when you look at what Jesus says, and he uses two word pictures as he kind of defines what the movement is going to look like, they bought into it. And, and because they bought into it, the movement was able to be sustained. Because people began to take notice that there was something different about this movement that was different than their own lives, that was different than everything they saw. As a matter of fact, the next kind of thing that Jesus says in the scriptures that defines us really as a church, that defines Living Spring, this 
thread has been going through the history of the church. And whenever, whenever it's working, the church is advanced. And, and what happens is, it, the, the reason it works is because it works, it's almost better that it happens when there's turmoil. What Jesus is about to show us, what he's about to, the, the labels that he's about to give you and me and us as a church and, and the church globally, it works best when the economy's really crummy. It works best when things aren't really working out the way they're supposed to. It works best when our leaders are completely idiots, depending on which side of the fence you're on. It works best when you get laid off. It, it works best when things aren't, aren't going well. And so really, as he's talking to these people and he's talking to them, he's really kind of making the point of, listen, if it's true, for those people that were the first hearers of this sermon, it's definitely true for us. Let me show you what he says. He says, you're the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. Now again, for these people, this is a foreign concept. For them, salt was a, a preservative Salt was used to, to kind of preserve things. You know, you'd put it on fish or whatever. You know, they didn't have refrigeration back then. And so uh, they, they, they put it on, on, on fish and on meat and stuff to preserve it. Jesus is essentially saying to those people, that kind of ragtag group on the Sermon on the Mount, and ha- as it just kind of goes from, uh, from, from century to century to century and generation to generation to generation. And Jesus is saying this to us this morning. You are the preservative of the earth. You are the preservative of your school. If, you, if you're going to school. You're the preservative of your office. Where you work. You're the preservative of your neighborhood. If you're in a family that just doesn't follow God. Doesn't believe in God. All that. You're the preservative of that family. In other words, if you weren't there, your school would decay. Your circle of influence would begin to rot. If you weren't in your neighborhood, it would begin to decompose, is what Jesus is saying. You're the salt of the earth. Living spring, right here, right now, is the salt of our neighborhood. A part of our vision and part of our plan and Part of the reason why we're doing a capital campaign in October is because we really believe that we are the preservative of this neighborhood. When we give out food, it's not just to give out food because it makes us feel good because we're like the Red Cross. We give out clothes. It's not, we believe that we're the preservative of this neighborhood. When we go out next week and we start fixing up homes, we feel like that's our calling from Jesus to go out and preserve these neighborhoods in the name of Jesus. We take it seriously. And the reason the church began to kind of like grow and grow and grow, and as you read in Acts after Jesus died on the cross and was rose again and kind of the Holy Spirit came and all this was because they bought into this idea that they're the salt of the earth. And he goes with this kind of uh, this warning 
He says, if the salt loses its saltiness. Now, it's a really cool Greek word here. Everywhere else this Greek word shows up in Scripture and in classical Greek, the word is foolishness. It's, it's foolish. If the salt becomes foolish, if you read in Romans and in 1 Corinthians, it says, you know, professing to be wise, they became fools. That, 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 that the wisdom of God shows the foolishness of men. If the salt becomes foolish, in other words, if it, if it has all this potential and it's designed a certain way and it doesn't act that way, what good is it? And Jesus is saying to those people on the hill and he's saying it to us this morning. If, if we're not a preservative, if, if we're not, if we're just in our workplace and we're just tasteless, if we're in our, 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 our uh, neighborhood and we're not doing anything, listen, listen, if Living Spring is here and we ain't doing anything, what good are we? Now, great stuff can happen. We can love each other and, and have potlucks. And, and, and kind of pat each other on the back and say, you're doing great. And those, all those things are excellent. I love those things. That we should be doing anyway. Our love for one another is the way the world will know. But if it's just about us, we lose our saltiness. We become foolish. We become a foolish church, okay? So he says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything, now listen to this, except to be thrown out and trampled by men. In other words, if we don't preserve, if you don't preserve that area of lockers that you have at school, if you don't preserve kind of that office that you're in, whichever floor you're on, whichever office you're in, whatever cubicle you're in, it will begin to decay. It will begin to decompose. It's good for nothing. Then he goes on. And he says this, you're the light of the world. (laughs) You're the light of the cosmos is essentially the Greek word there. Now, if they're on this hill listening to Jesus, they've probably only traveled 20 miles max in their whole life. I'm looking around and I know what some of you do for a living. I know what I used to do for a living before I became a pastor. You know, you travel all over the world. You've been everywhere. You've been to every continent. I mean, some of you have, your frequent flyer miles are like, you know, in the millions. My, my brother, is, he's like a triple plat. Like, I don't know why they just don't give him his own plane. I, it's just like he flies so much. And so he'll put on his Facebook, I'm in, you know, Brazil. I'm in Beirut. I'm in, you know, Cucamonga. Not Rancho Cucamonga. Well, for him, that would be a, a, a commute, right? So, so it's like, it's like he's, he's everywhere. We, when we think about that, we're like, well, yeah, I can kind of see it. There's the internet now, and it makes a lot of sense. For them, the world, they knew about Egypt. Uh, they knew about Rome because some of their people got killed by those people. Uh, they knew about, you know, kind of, but they didn't know about North America. They didn't know about Australia and all that kind of stuff. To tell those people you're going to be the light of the entire world? Jesus is saying the same thing to you today. You are the light of your office. You're the light of your school. You're the light of your neighborhood. You're the light of your family. Now, here's the thing. When you start looking through the poor in spirit and the meek and the, and the uh, peacemakers, 
and those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And you, those seem so defeating, right? I mean, like they seem so like, oh, you know, we're the meek. We don't do anything. We just sit there. We mind our own business. But Jesus takes that and he infuses it and says, now listen, that lifestyle, that trust in the kingdom, that kind of thing, that is going to be salt. It's going to be different than anything you're used to. It's going to, that is going to preserve your office. And, and listen, anyone who's been in an office for very long understands the decay that can happen when, when, when people are posturing to try and get the next job, when they're worried about layoffs. And so they, you know, they, 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 talk, they start talking behind people's backs because when the pink slip comes, they don't want to be the one with the pink slip. So they're talking to the boss and going, yeah, I don't even know what this guy does if he does anything, you know, hey, you know, kind of, like all that kind of posturing. And all of a sudden there's a Christian who really owns it. Who's just like, yeah, you know what? I'm good. I got a God who takes care of me. That is, that is hard. Are you kidding me? Like that meekness is not like, that meekness becomes strong now. If you're salt and if you're light, if you're preserving your office, if you're a light in the darkness, that poor in spirit becomes something just, man, I mean, like, like, like it's almost like that is kind of like brave heartish, you know? Go ahead and fire me. Yeah. Let's get insulted. Woo. Like that strength. You start looking at the Beatitudes, man, poor in spirit, hunger and thirst for rice, merciful, pure in heart. That's hard stuff. Watch what, watch what he says. He says, you're the, you're the light of the world. And then he goes on and he kind of gives us a little bit of insight into that. He says, a city, NIV says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden, okay? It's an unfortunate translation by the NIV. Because it's missing, if you read the New American Standard Version, uh, some people say, what are the difference of the versions? There's usually hardly any difference at all. It's just kind of the way you say it. But in this particular case, the New American Standard gets it right because it has this word in there that's really important. A city set on a hill, placed on a hill. If you look at other kind of, the way um, the Greek language uses that, it's like placing a baby in a certain spot. You're really intentional, you're you're really intentional on learning the English language. You're really intentional on placing that baby where you want that baby to go. You don't just take a baby and throw the baby, uh, uh, you know, or you shouldn't anyway. It's just another free thing you learn from church. Don't toss babies, okay? You place babies on the ground. It's the same type of thing. A city set, placed on a hill, cannot be hidden. It's there intentionally. That's why it's there. And if you look, you know, I I put this picture here. Um, It is a modern city there. But in Jesus' day, those cities uh, would be made out of white limestone. And in the day, the sun would hit and reflect off of those cities. And they would be blind. I mean, you you would know where the city was if the sun hit that city. And at night, all those people would turn on their lamps in the evening. And in the the evening time, you would see those cities. And there was no, you know, street lights and stuff. You know, you were in the dark and you saw that city as a light. And Jesus was telling them, these poor people, these people who were occupied by Rome, he says, you know what? You guys are a, you're like a city placed strategically on a hill. And they must have been thinking to themselves, are you crazy? We're occupied by Rome. We don't do nothing. You might be thinking the same thing. Are you kidding me? 
I'm just, I just got my job. I was a temp and I finally got full time. There, I am not, my job is to be quiet and keep my job. Jesus says, no, man, you're, you're strategically placed there. You're thinking to yourself, all I want to do is get out of this neighborhood. This is the crummiest neighborhood I've ever been in. It's going downhill. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You're strategically placed there. Yeah, you want to go, go. But for now, you're there. Guess what you are? You're a city placed strategically on a hill. You know what Living Spring is? It's placed strategically right here. And our job is to shine. Our job is to have an impact. It's funny, when we talk about kind of making the, the, the facility, you know, what we talk about is making the outside of the church display the health of the inside. We're a really healthy church in here. I mean, we, there's no controversy. Nobody's, there's no arguments and all this kind of stuff. We really love each other. When you're out in the, in the breezeway, you can see how much people love each other, how much they like being around each other. That's great. We want that shine, that light to be reflected outside. So people will say, well, why don't you move? If we move, there's going to be a church here. Why not just have it be us? Why not us placed strategically right here to minister to Garden Grove and the surrounding cities? We can't be hidden. We're the light of the world. Watch what it says. He goes on. He says, Neither do people light a, a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Our job is to have an impact both individually in our strategic place and as a church community. This is why we do what we do. It's why we're going out next week and ditching church because it's not what happens in these four walls that's most important. We're called to shine to the rest of the world. We are called to be a preservative in our neighborhood. And if not us, who? Now, You say, well, what in the world does that have to do with worship? I thought it was all about worship and string theory and we worship this God and all this kind of stuff. I want to show you a verse that's just very encouraging. Because Jesus is saying basically to these people, go for it. And what's amazing is they did. When you look out over history and you see when, even like during the plagues, when everyone was just fleeing the city, the Christians were staying. But when when the baby got the plague, they just put it in the street. Guess who picked them up? The Christians. Like, yeah, I'm going to probably get the plague, but we just can't go go on like this. We're, We're salt and we're light. And so throughout history, the church of Jesus Christ, when it's done well, and there's been times in our history when it has not been done well, is salt and light. So how is that worship? (laughs) Check out this next verse. In the same way, let your light as a church, as an individual, as a family, as as a student, as an employee, as a neighbor, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You know what the implication is? As we do our job, people who don't even call themselves followers of Jesus are praising God. And you've probably seen it yourself. You know, maybe even before you started doing the whole Christian thing, you, you, there were people in your life that were doing this, and you're like, man, what is it about them? 
There's layoffs. They don't even care. They lost their job. They lost their house. And they're like, well, whatever. You know, God, God probably has a, has a thing. Out of their poverty, they give. Like, like when things are going bad for them, they're asking how your day is. Like, like we all know these people. We've seen these people. Jesus says if we do that, if we can let our light shine, if we can be salt and light, we do it in such a way that people will see and take notice. They're going to start going, you know what? I don't know about God, but I know there's just no way people do this kind of stuff. When it comes to the city, this has been their thing. You know, this is the second time we're doing this Be the Church. And they just can't understand why in the world we ditch church. And you guys are like, because the sermons are kind of long and boring. But it's like, they don't understand why, why would we do that? You know, I thought church was all about money. And our, how are they going to take an offering? And we still can, by the way, at 9 o'clock, there's a box. No, okay, right, right? It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like I, thought, I thought this, I thought this, I thought this. I thought it was all just about making people feel guilt. I thought, and it's like, no, man, we're letting our light shine in such a way that people see our good deeds and they glorify our Father in heaven. They don't glorify living spring. We don't care about that. We want to see the name of Jesus Christ. We want to carry the banner of Jesus Christ into our neighborhood. Let your light shine in such a way that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. I want to read a, a letter we got. One of the, uh, I didn't bring them with me, but we have these cards called Loving Your Community. Uh, I think I put a picture of them. Yeah, uh, they're just red and, and then they have white writing. It just says Loving Our Community. And uh, on the back, it, it just has this graphic and then at the bottom it says livingspring.com. Uh, and it has a little QR code. And, and what we've been doing, and those who've kind of like bought into this, they carry a bunch with them. And then whenever they get a chance you know, as kind of the Holy Spirit puts it on their heart, if they're in line at Starbucks, you know, in the drive-thru, they just go, you know what, I'm going to buy the drink of the person behind me. And so they say, hey, what, what they're getting, and if, if they get like 17 lattes, it's like, I think the Lord's telling me to do it next time, you know, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> and, and so, so you kind of get there, and you're like, you know, what, whatever. You've got to be good stewards, right, with your money? Okay, so you get there, and, um, and they say, look, I'd like to buy their, their drink, and... Um, and then you just leave the card and the, and the people, you know, get the card. And it's just like, hey, we're about loving our community. And so people have done all sorts of stuff. And um, I wanted to read kind of how this salt and light thing um, play, plays itself out. Uh, <clears throat> this is a letter we got. It says, I'd like to thank the kind woman who purchased my breakfast at McDonald's on Cabot Road at about 7.30 a.m. on Monday, July 9th. It was a total surprise to me. The cashier told me that the woman in the car in front of me had paid for my meal and she handed me your loving, uh, our community card. I can't tell you how much this not so small act of kindness did to lift my spirits as as I was on my way to try to deal with my father's empty house. He passed away recently. I found myself smiling and humming to myself all day. I'm usually polite to others, but I now go out of my way to help others and to be even kinder to strangers. And I'm still telling all of my friends how much this made my day. Thanks so much for encouraging me to perform small acts of kindness to friends, family, and strangers. Sincerely, Susie. Uh, I put her name up there because I figured she was writing it to us, so I, I didn't change it. Maybe I should. Okay. You know, you know what she's doing? She doesn't even know it. She's praising your Heavenly Father. 
She's sensed, you know, you know again, you sense it in the, in the thing. Why, why, why would somebody do that? We do it because we're salt and we're light. We do it because the Spirit of God has so transformed us. And we knew what our life was like before we found Jesus. And it just, we just can't help it. And when you read about the early church and you th- see the, ble- uh, the Beatitudes and you think, man, how did it work? And then you see how the Beatitudes actually lives itself out when we're salt and light. You know, Andy Stanley, he's a pastor in Atlanta. He, he has this saying that's really cool. And, it, um, you know, Rome, if, if you had gone to a Christian at this time and said, hey, don't worry about it. Soon, Rome won't even be in Israel And in Rome, there'll be crosses all over. There'll be a place where Peter was martyred. And there'll be a place you can go see where Paul was in prison. Yeah, it's going to be fine. They'd go, you're crazy. And and the thing that Andy Stanley says that's really cool is he says, at the Colosseum where they were torturing Christians and they were doing all these games and it was a circus, you know, but they would just massacre Christians. In the emperor's gate where the emperor goes through, there's now a cross over the emperor's gate. And he says, you know how I serve, I know that I, we serve a great God is because there's a cross at the emperor's gate in Rome. And when you look at the, the buildings in Rome, there's crosses everywhere. How, how did it, how in the world, when you start out with blessed are the meek, how in the world did that happen? It's because they bought into the fact that we're salt and light. 